7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of the U.S., 3 p.m. in London, 12 midnight in Sydney, New South Wales, and in Malaysia, it's 1977. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> hey, Luna Amethyst, hello, welcome. Nice to see you here. No apologies necessary. You get here when you can. That's perfectly okay. We are live across Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch.tv. And uh, yeah, we are, <laughs> we are settling into day 3,462 of being under house arrest once again. Oh boy. Oh joy. Happy, happy. And uh, yeah, the NSR stream on Saturday, uh, I was on uh, Stephen Bones Everything, and they did a uh, review of the NSR Pride zine, and uh, it was very cool. The artwork was absolutely amazing. So we, we went on there, we jumped back over to do a short live stream on our normal Saturday night here on I'm Not Wearing Pants. And then we jump back over to uh, to Stephen's stream. So we were popping all over the internet on uh, on Saturday night, but that was a lot of fun. I think you can see it in the replay on Twitch.tv and places like that. So check that out. Want to welcome in our folks who are Ah Mohanad the Mighty has joined. No special entrance today. Just finished one of my favorite video games, and I'm sad about it. Aww. I'm sorry you're sad about it. A good day to you, Mohammed, uh, listening in there, I believe from Saudi Arabia, if I'm not mistaken. Nice to have you along for the ride. And uh, I was just about to welcome in all of our podcast listeners. Uh, if you don't know already, um, we have a podcast of this very show. It goes up sometimes within an hour of uh, the end of our stream live and sometimes the next morning if I get too tired and lazy. So, um, but uh, yeah, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Radio.com, Pocket Casts. As you can tell, Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Just type in I'm Not Wearing Pants to your favorite podcast uh, supplier, and you will find us. You'll see uh, this logo there, this one that's on screen there. And uh, also, we have just added a new podcast uh, place, which is uh, full of fantastic Indian music from India. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, if you're If you're into Indian music check it out. And to all my friends in India, we do have quite a few folks that listen into the podcast over there. Uh, hello uh, from the host site. And again, I, I'm going to screw up the name Geosavn, something like that. G-I-O-S-A-A-V-N. If you can tell me how to pronounce that, please do. But I believe it's Geosavn, something like that. Anyway, welcome. We, we really appreciate having you along, and thank you for the subscriptions over there. Uh, you will find us also on um, on Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. i got to get all this monkey business out of the way in the start so that I don't have to bother you with it. Uh, you'll find us on Patreon.com. Uh, Jay Sheldon, look us up. You'll know it's us. And uh, if you want to subscribe, please do help to support the show over there. A very small amount, as little as... Five bucks a month you can help to uh, support. And if you want to become a uh, higher level, we have some very special offerings over there. So you can check that out also on Patreon. Um, I'm also now on Locals.com. So you look for NoPants.Locals.com. You'll find our show there. Unfortunately, they only allow me to upload about a half hour of video at the moment until I get more subscribers over there at locals.com so if you want to help me out uh, so we chop up the show and get all the gooey parts out and then we squeeze it down to half an hour and off we go but if you want to see the entire show by all means rumble.com totally free site you can sign up for a free account lots of cool videos over there a lot of political stuff yes but also a lot of cool viral videos it's a lot like youtube there's a mishmash of everything including our show so please do subscribe. It's Jay Sheldon No Pants 
on rumble.com. Look for us over there and click that subscribe button. It helps us out, uh, helps us out a lot. All righty, Miko update. I need to do a special intro for Miko update because everyone loves the Miko update. So <laughs> we will do that. Uh, Miko update. Uh, she's doing well. Actually, she is once again tonight sleeping in the aircon in the other room. I don't have aircon in my studio, but the dog has aircon in the other room. What is wrong with this picture? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> anyway, I uh, I wanted to share. She has this. She's got a couple of favorite uh, toys. One is this old T-shirt. My other half's old T-shirt. It was going to be thrown away, but we decided eh, we'll give it to her to play with. And she loves this thing. She tears it to pieces. She takes it in her mouth and shakes her head all around. And she also has a dinosaur, a stuffed animal dinosaur. Well, we wrap the T-shirt in the dinosaur or wrap the dinosaur in the T-shirt. This dinosaur weighs a ton and she still insists on taking it and shaking it all over the place. So there is Ms. Miko on the lawn, on my front lawn. And just check this video out. This is funny. <laughs> Look at that. Look at her shake. Honestly, you can see the dinosaur there. It weighs a ton. And she's still insisting on shaking this thing around, trying to tear it up. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're listening on the podcast. It's a visual. But uh, Miko is tearing apart her dinosaur. So um, she's having a high old time and she loves it. <laughs> yeah. Dear crazy Miko, who I, I she was stopped in the studio tonight. I thought she wanted to come on the show, but uh, I guess last minute she suddenly decided no. So there you go. <laughs> um all right, let's get into our uh, Facebook review and internet review here. Uh, good news to begin the stream, Miko or girl, says Mohammed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, she's a hoot. All right, um, I might have to do a little lining up here. And, and there's a story behind this. I want you to see this. You've probably seen it. If you've been on the internet at all today, no doubt you've seen it. But just in case, I wanted to share it with you. Um, actually, you know what? Let me line this up a little better because half of this really doesn't matter. So we will shove this over here. Now, see, you already know what, what, what this is about. I shared this on my Facebook page. Um, Richard Branson managed to make it to the edge of space in his well, airplane slash spaceship. And uh, this was the um, this was the video of that moment when they hit space. To all you kids down there, I was once a child with a dream, looking up to the stars. Now I'm an adult in a spaceship with lots of other wonderful adults looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. To the next generation of dreamers, if we can do this, just imagine what you can do. Hey! <laughs> wow, there he is on the edge of space. That's incredible. Quite an achievement. However, a friend of mine, and it is a public post, his comment is public, but for the sake of privacy, I'm not going to share that bit. But he wrote something that really made me stop to think. You know I love space. I always stick stuff up there I find that's you know, our latest accomplishments, whether it's Elon Musk or Richard Branson, whoever it is. But he said something that really made me stop and think about whether or not I should really be celebrating this thing from Branson. Hey, Zane! Hey, Starbucks guy! Hello, Zane. Welcome to the stream. Nice to have you along. Thank you. Anyway, uh, my friend wrote when I posted this on Richard Branson's uh, accomplishment today. He said, I wonder if he would dream of feeding hungry kids what the world would look like from up there. A year ago, he was pleading poverty himself and lobbying the government to save his airline. How much did that trip cost? It's a good question. 
it's a valid question. And it's fairly accurate that uh, this guy was pleading poverty, well, poverty and asking to save his airline from the government not so long ago. Um, he ends this with, I have precisely zero time for him and his ego. Honestly, it, it made me pause. You are not wrong. SW, you know who you are. I tend to agree with you. So, there you go. All right. Um, <laughs> one of the, uh, <coughs> well, the main headline for our show tonight was, Get off my lawn! <laughs> There's an old saying, and I'm an old person, so I love old sayings. But, um... When you get old, you sit on your front porch and the kids run on your lawn and you say, Get off my lawn! It's kind of an old joke. It might be purely an American thing. I don't know. But I saw this, and it doesn't have to do so much with your lawn as much as it does with people who park in front of your house. And this is rather interesting. Now, forgive me for a second, because I have to readjust my screen share here so that you can actually see this thing. All right, so let's do this. We'll move this over here. We'll shove this over here, and we'll move this here. There. This is from wapcar.my. Uh, the site wapcar.my, and um, the headline, Did you know it is illegal to park in front of your neighbor's house? It's not just inconvenient and rude. It's actually illegal. And not just blocking their gate, as the illustrating car here is doing in this particular picture they put up for the article. But... Um, Oh, and this car, as noted, actually blocks two houses at the same time. That's very nice. This one here and this one over here, and this uh, moron who parked there. In today's living standards, the article says, because of unreliable public transportation, uh, every household owns at least two cars. We have two cars here. The neighbors have a couple of cars, and actually the neighbors have... I think three or four cars. Um, unfortunately, a landed property has space usually for only one car in the driveway, which is the case with my house. And that usually means the other car, or most likely cars, in the household have to be parked outside. In our case, we have one car in the driveway and one car parked in front of our gate. And consequently, you wind up with scenes that look like this, uh, if you're watching on uh, the video portion of our show. These are very typical streets in Malaysia, lined with cars on both sides. Um, you know, it makes me think, in, the, in Malaysia, we don't have a lot of really big cars. I think there's, I've seen one Hummer. <laughs> but if you were to try and take a caddy or something down this road or some big old Pontiac, it would never make it. You'd be scraping all these cars all the way down. And they're parked on both sides of the street out in front of the house, mainly because they either don't have parking at their house or they have room only for one car. And most houses have more than one. It's become a massive issue on the streets, created plenty of grievances between neighbors. They fight over parking spaces and obstructions to both the road and to their house. Did you know that parking your car on your neighbor's side and causing any inconvenience to them. That doesn't just mean blocking their gate. Causing any inconvenience is both illegal and it is a compoundable offense. We don't use compounds in the U.S. It means you're going to get a fine, basically. But yeah, here's another, another great example of cars parked in front of gates and things like that. Um, parking your car in front of your neighbor's house is a violation of Section 48 of the Road Transport Act. And it quotes the act here. A driver of any motor vehicle causes or permits such motor vehicle to remain at rest on any road in such a position at, or in such circumstances as to likely cause danger, obstruction, or undue inconvenience to other users of the road or traffic shall be guilty of an offense. 
Now, for the most part, people will call their neighbor and say, hey, would you mind? Don't park there. They'll leave a note on the car. And if you have courteous neighbors, they're decent about it. They'll move their car. They made a mistake. Maybe they were just running into the neighbors for a second. I used to have that problem for some reason. Knockwood have not had the problem lately. But um, if you don't know this, you should. Your neighbor has the right to call authorities or local city council or even the police. And they could issue a summons. They could clamp your car. Or they could even forcibly remove your car. Hook it up to a tow truck and off you go. And the thing is, you don't know where they're going to tow it to. Um, according to Ask Legal, that's a site, uh, if there's a need to tow your car away, there's no telling where the authorities will tow your car to. Uh, they could only just move it down the street a bit, or they could take it off to, uh, to an impound lot and straight away. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a mess. Here's a, here's a summons that somebody got for blocking the driveway. $100 summons should be more than that. Should be at least 10 times that. So, um, you know, hopefully you've got cooperative neighbors who will do the right thing and not park there inconveniencing you in the first place. And that doesn't, like I said, it doesn't just mean right in front of your gate. It can mean right next to your gate so you have a difficult time seeing when you get out. I will tell you that because I have a lended property, the way it's set up, it's kind of a corner lot, sort of. I have a big side yard and a big front yard. You saw it in the Miko video. But um, I have a long space in front of my house. Now, th that's all my space. I mean, technically, I don't own it, but it's my space for cars. The neighbors regularly park there, but they park right up and just leak over into my, my line of parking. And it doesn't get in the way. They're courteous about it. I don't mind. So they're welcome to do that. If they eke into my place where it makes it difficult to see getting out of the driveway and stuff, that's a different story. But so far, so good. So, yeah. Don't do it. If you do it, stop it. And just know, if you have someone doing that to you, it is actually a, uh, a, an offense. And you can call up, have their car towed, have them get a ticket, whatever it is. So... Don't muck around with the uh, with the cars, all right? And I did not do that story because I've had a problem. I have not had any problems lately. Um, like I said, knock wood for the first time in quite a while. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Just wanted to pass that info along because it is constantly an issue. Although these days we've got bigger issues like when do we get to go back to work and make some money? And where is my next meal coming from? So your neighbor's parking in front of your house might not be so big of a deal these days. Oh, uh, my. Okay. We need to be happy. I need to get out of the blue funk I'm in. I found this. I loved it. And a friend of mine shared it. I'm, it's not a public post. So I'm going to cut the identifying things off of there. But I had to share this because it's very cool. It's very short. The happiest people don't have the best of everything. They just make the best of everything. Aw, how nice is that, huh? The happiest people don't have the best of everything. They make the best of everything. And that's quite true. It really is all in, in how you look at things and how you choose to... Uh, how you choose to look at life. All right, we also want a very, very short one here. We want to wish a very happy birthday to this lovely lady. This is Tun Dr. Siti Hazma Binti Haji Muhammad Ali, otherwise known as the wife of Tun Mahathir. But she is a Tun in and of herself. She's also a doctor. A highly educated woman, and uh, I won't say her age because women, we don't mention women's ages. That's just the proper thing to do, and 
Sorry, my mom raised a gentleman. But we will wish a very happy birthday and many more to come to tune Dr. C.T. And, uh, yeah, that's great. She is, uh, she's a remarkable woman. Fantastic. Uh, oh, why did nobody tell me about this? Why didn't you tell me about this if you knew? I just found this out. And I cannot believe we missed it. It was No Pants Day on May 7th. <laughs> May 7th. Comic strip artists celebrate No Pants Day on May 7th. And I cannot believe that we missed this. What the heck? 25 cartoonists are celebrating the quirky holiday, No Pants Day. Now, there is a, there's a really good thing behind this, and it's, I love this. It's to help charities get clothing to those people in need. You know what? They have their cartoonist No Pants Day, but I'm thinking maybe we should start a No Pants Day to help folks in need who need clothing. You know, there's a lot going on to get people fed because honestly, at the end of the day, that's really the important part. Um, we have a white flag campaign going on right now, and uh, we've talked about that on previous streams and podcasts. But um, there are more things besides food. Well, like I said, that's number one on the list. Uh, there are a lot of other things that people need and can't afford because their income has gone to like, crap since everything is locked down and shut up um but that's not a bad idea i will give that some thought and see how we might be able to organize something but yeah they, they started a uh, charity drive that helps people in need of clothing uh there's a group called room to grow and so they declared it no pants day fan of newspaper comics noticed something missing in many of the scripts on may 7th which was friday more than 25 cartoonists behind the strips from blondie to zippy the pinhead were celebrating the quirky holiday no pants day in a way that helps charities to get clothing for those in need they drew their normal characters without um without pants to help celebrate the day. That's what this, uh, this uh, Dennis the Menace cartoon uh, is all about. And um, No Pants Day, the first Friday in May, believed to have been started by a group of university students at the University of Texas, thought leaving pants at home on the first Friday would be a fun way to end the semester. And a winter spinoff was created called No Pants Subway Ride. So there you go. Um, not a bad idea. No Pants Day. We missed May 7th. But I think maybe, just maybe, we should do something to start our own. Going to make a note and give that some thought. We'll see what we can get away with. <laughs> oh, my. Ryan Song. Welcome to the stream, Mr. Song. Ryan has uh, in the stream and made a comment over on Facebook. For those of you watching on the other channels, you, you can't see that. He said, illegal parking cars are the reason why people like Bernice from the show South Beach Toe have superpowers. <laughs> I've never seen that show. I got to believe it's like one of those, one of those uh, you know, reality show things about a towing service. Uh, which could be quite interesting. She fell down from a building, survived the fall, and still able to tow an offender from the crimes of illegal parking. It's a trashy show, but every time I feel small, I pretend I'm Bernice, and suddenly I can do anything. <laughs> All right, that's a cool deal. I'll have to check that show out. Bernice from the South Beach Tow Show. Never heard of it, but I'll definitely look it up. All right. Hey, we, uh, we did not miss another national day. And I really should have known about this one. Uh, sadly for me, the 12th is about to end in 90 minutes. So I was not able to celebrate this, which 
really cranks me because this is my favorite food on the planet. This is the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Pecan Pie. National Pecan Pie Day is today. And I really wish I'd found out before today because I don't need a national day to have pecan pie. It is, honestly, of all the things I have put in my mouth, this is my favorite. You cannot go wrong. If you've never had a pecan pie, you ain't living. Trust me on this one. There is nothing as delicious as a well-made pecan pie. Here in Malaysia, it is almost impossible to find pecan pie. I've looked. Friend of mine, Gwen, you know who you are. I love you, babe. Um, she managed to find a pecan pie that was pretty good. Not woe-fantastic, but pretty darn good. And so knowing my love, absolute love of pecan pie, she bought me, I think, a slice or a whole pie, I forget. They're not cheap. They are not cheap here, here too. Um, and if you can find them, uh, they're not cheap, but they are delicious. I, I absolutely would do anything. And by anything, I mean anything for a pecan pie. And I have not had a piece of pecan pie in well over a year or two or three now. It's been a very long time. They're very hard to make, too, by the way, which is part of the reason why they're so expensive. But, uh, yeah, today, today is National Pecan Pie Day. My mouth is salivating just looking at that picture. I'm telling you. Unbelievable. Uh, all right. Um, am I doubled? We need to get rid of that. Okay. Sorry if I've been doubled for a while here. Uh, I think I solved the problem now. Okay. We got one or two more little bits we're going to share with you before we move on to, um, to uh, continuing reading The Jungle Book. And I've got a very special thing coming up. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit tonight, but not all the details. Uh, I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. We have a new Guinness Book of World Records. And that is for this crazy Canadian woman. Canadian woman's new world record hits a new low note for Guinness. Her name is Joy Chapman. She's a singer from Surrey, British Columbia. And she has set the world record for the lowest note ever sung by a female. You got to hear this. Hang on, let me unmute the page. Listen to this. La 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 I think she did it. <laughs> she did. That C1 is confirmed. insane. C1 confirmed. C1. Uh, aiming right on this note right here, we're looking for the intensity and the waveform. C1. Can you imagine? Did you hear that? That is insane. I can't even go that low. I don't think that was C1. Oh my goodness, that is nuts. She set a new record for the lowest note ever sung by a female. And that was just um, in April, a couple months ago. <laughs> nuts. Oh man, that is absolutely insane. I love this stuff. <laughs> All right, I got one more piece of inspiration here, and then we're going to move on to our book for tonight. 
it's Monday after all, Ugh, Monday. But again, I love sharing these little quick quips uh, of inspiring sayings and stories and quotes. We do a lot of Thomas Sowell here, which is great. But this one is from, um, who said this? The author's not credited. All right. I love this. Oh, yes, it is. No, it's not. Okay. Listen up. Here it is. Here's the quick little story, but a very meaningful one. One time, my dad gave 50 bucks to a guy who said he needed to buy medicine for his kids. I told my dad that the guy was probably going to spend the money on alcohol or something. But my dad said, whether he was lying or not, says something about his character. But hearing someone in need and choosing not to help when I have the means to help says something about my character. Never forget that. It's quite true. I've heard that a thousand times. People say, oh, I shouldn't give money to these people. They're just going to buy alcohol or drugs or waste it on gambling or whatever. But, you know, I mean, this, this really does say, say it. You know, whether or not he lied about what he was going to do with the money, that says something about his character. But if I have the means to help and I don't, then that says something about mine. Very meaningful stuff. Very, very meaningful stuff. Nice. All righty. <clears throat> one more. Here we go. Oh, I do have one quick story I got to share with you. I, got, I have got no visual for this. I, uh, I spoke to a friend of mine, and um, her name is Sandy. We'll leave it at that. And uh, we were talking about how we're doing and what's going on with the lockdown and things like that. And she related to me a story. She said it's her 20 ringgit daily blessing story. She, she takes 20 ringgit, and she puts that out there for her meals and food for the day. Not a whole lot of money. But with the price of food, cheap food, stalls, mamak, things like that, or just some vegetables and things, you can get by. And she had an occasion to come upon someone who needed help. So she went and bought this fellow about 18 ringgit worth of food some decent food items so he could have a decent meal, which left her with two bucks. So she went into the store with her two ringgit and she found a vegetable on sale for like one ringgit, 80 cent. Took that home, got a little garlic sauce and soy and whatever, fried up the vegetable, made a pretty decent meal out of her one ringgit and 80 cent vegetable. But she knew that that fellow had a decent meal for once. And she also knew that tomorrow she'd have another 20 ringgit to spend on her food. And she was okay with that. And that was her daily blessing. Um, just another way to think of giving money or giving things that people need, especially in the times we live in now when there are so many people in need, sadly. All right. Uh, it is time, my friends, to head on over to the Jungle Book. As you know, we've been doing the Jungle Book now for the past uh, several streams. And uh, we read these classic books. And... Um, and about a chapter, half a chapter, depends on how long the chapters are, um, at a time until we get to the end of the book, and then we move on to our next one. So we've been doing the Jungle Book, which is, the chapters are very long. We often split them up into little bits and pieces. But um, I have spent the last two days, part of the weekend and today, uh, cutting up, because we've been doing this for a long time now, since almost the beginning of when we started streaming 86 shows ago, not that long ago, but almost. 
So we've gone through several books. We did The Wizard of Oz. We did Alice in Wonderland, The Velveteen Rabbit, Peter Pan. We're doing The Jungle Book now. But it always comes at the end of the stream. It takes anywhere from 15 minutes to a half an hour sometimes. So I am taking and editing up and editing out all of just the book reading part of the show. And we're going to have those in a separate uh patrons only section now i know you can always go watch the show and scroll through and go to the part and try and find the section where i start the book and listen from there but it's a pain in the ass so what i'm going to do i have done and we're through about halfway through is we've been editing up the reading of the books by chapter by book and by chapters in the book and then we will get those uploaded so that um our Patreon folks will have access to uh, to those, and you basically it's just an audio book for you. So, um, yeah, head over to Patreon dot com, and it's uh, Jay Sheldon over there. You can find out if you want to join. The offer's not up yet, but it will be in the next, probably by the end of this week. I'll tell you more about it. So once we get it launched, uh, okay. So let's head on over and head into the Jungle Book. As you know, they were sitting, uh, the monkeys have kidnapped Mowgli, and um, Bagheera and Ka had found them in the monkey city. And uh, these two good friends were in the ruined ditch below the city wall. For Bagheera and Ka, knowing well, how dangerous the monkey people were in large numbers, did not wish to run any risks. The monkeys never fight unless they are a hundred to one, and few in the jungle care for those odds. I will go to the west wall, Ka whispered, and come down swiftly with the slope of the ground in my favor. They will not throw themselves upon my back in their hundreds. But I know it, said Bagheera. Would that Baloo were here, but we must do what we can. When that cloud covers the moon, I shall go to the terrace. They hold some sort of council over the boy. Good hunting, said Ka grimly and glided away to the west wall. That happened to be the least ruined of any, and the big snake was delayed a while before he could find a way up the stones. The cloud hit the moon, and as Mowgli wondered what would come next, he heard Bagheera's light feet on the terrace. The black panther had raced up the slope almost without a sound, and was striking. He knew better than to waste time in biting, Right and left among the monkeys who were seated round Mowgli in circles fifty and sixty deep. There was a howl of fright and rage, and then as Bagheera tripped on the rolling, kicking bodies beneath him, a monkey shouted, There is only one here! Kill him! Kill! A scuffling mass of monkeys, biting, scratching, tearing, and pulling, closed over Bagheera while five or six laid hold of Mowgli, dragged him up the wall of the summer house and pushed him through the hole of the broken dome. A man-trained boy would have been badly bruised, for the fall was a good fifteen feet. But Mowgli fell as Baloo had taught him to fall and landed on his feet. Stay there, shouted the monkeys, till we've killed thy friends, and later we will play with thee if the poison people leave thee alive. We be of one blood, ye and I, said Mowgli, quickly giving the snake's call. He could hear rustling and hissing in the rubbish all around him, and he gave the call a second time to make sure. Even so, down hoods all, said a half-dozen low voices. Every ruin of India becomes sooner or later a dwelling place of snakes. And the old summer house was alive with cobras. 
Stand still, little brother, for thy feet may do us harm. Mowgli stood as quietly as he could, peering through the open work and listening to the furious din of the fight round the Black Panther. The yells and chattering and scufflings and Bagheera's deep hoarse cough as he backed and bucked and twisted and plunged under the heaps of his enemies. For the first time he was born, Bagheera was fighting for his life. Baloo must be at hand. Bagheera would not have come alone, Mowgli thought. And then he called aloud, To the tank, Bagheera! Roll to the water tanks! Roll and plunge! Get to the water! Bagheera heard, and the cry that told him Mowgli was safe gave him new courage. He worked his way desperately, inch by inch, straight for the reservoirs, halting in silence. And then from the ruined wall nearest the jungle rose up the rumbling war shout of Baloo. The old bear had done his best, but he could not come before. Bagheera, he shouted. I'm here, I climb. Awura! The stones slip under my feet. Wait, I, I'm coming. Oh, most infamous Bunderlog. He panted up the terrace, only to disappear to the head in a wave of monkeys. But he threw himself square on his hunches and spread out his forepaws, hugged as many as he could hold, and then began to hit with a regular bat, 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 like the flipping strokes of a paddle wheel. A crash and a splash told Mowgli that Bagheera had fought his way to the tank, where the monkeys could not follow. The panther lay gasping for breath, his head just out of the water, while the monkeys stood three deep on the red steps, dancing up and down with rage, ready to spring on him from all sides if he came out to help Baloo. It was then that Bagheera lifted up his dripping chin, and in despair, gave the snake's call for protection. We be of one blood, ye and I, for he believed that Ka had turned tail at the last minute. Even Baloo, half smothered under the monkeys on the edge of the terrace, could not help chuckling as he heard the black panther asking for help. Ka had only just worked his way over the west wall, landing with a wrench that dislodged a coping stone into the ditch. He had no intention of losing any advantage of the ground, and coiled and uncoiled himself once or twice to be sure that every foot of his long body was in working order. All that while the fight with Baloo went on, and the monkeys yelled in the tank around Bagheera, and Mang the Bat flying to and fro, carrying the news of the great battle all over the jungle, till even Hati the wild elephant trumpeted, and far away scattered bands of the monkey folk woke and came leaping along the tree roads to help their comrades in the cold lairs. And the noise of the fight roused all the day birds for miles around. Then Ka came straight quickly and anxious to kill. The fighting strength of a python is in the driving blow of his head backed by all the strength and weight of his body. If you can imagine a lance, a battering ram, or a hammer weighing nearly half a ton, driven by a cool, quiet mind living in the handle of it, you can roughly imagine what Ka was like when he fought. A python four or five feet long can knock a man down if he hits him fairly in the chest. And Ka was thirty feet long, as you know. His first stroke was delivered into the heart of the crowd around Baloo. It was sent home with shut mouth in silence, and there was no need of a second. The monkeys scattered with cries of, Ka! It is Ka! Run! Run! 
generations of monkeys had been scared into good behavior by the stories from their elders of Ka, the night thief, who would slip along the branches as quietly as moss grows and steal away the strongest monkey that ever lived. Of old Ka, who could make himself look so like a dead branch or a rotten stump that the wisest were deceived till the branch caught them. Ka was everything the monkeys feared in the jungle, for none of them knew the limits of his power. None of them could look him in the face, and none had ever come alive out of his hug. And so they ran, stammering with terror, to the walls and to the roofs of the houses, and Baloo drew a deep breath of relief. His fur was much thicker than Bagheera's, but he had suffered sorely in the fight. Then Ka opened his mouth for the first time and spoke one long hissing word, and the faraway monkeys, hurrying to the defense of the cold lairs, stayed where they were, cowering till the loaded branches bent and cracked under them. The monkeys on the walls and the empty houses stopped their cries, and in the stillness that fell upon the city, Mowgli heard Bagheera shaking his wet sides as he came up from the tank. Then the clamor broke out again. The monkeys leaped higher up the walls. They clung around the necks of the big stone idols and shrieked as they skipped along the battlements, while Mowgli dancing in the summer house, put his eye to the screen work and hooted owl fashion between his front teeth to show his derision and contempt. Get the man-cub out of that trap. I can do no more, Bagheera gasped. Let us take the man-cub and go. They may attack again. They will not move till I order them. Stay, you so, Ka hissed, and the city was silent once more. I could not come before, brother, but I think I heard thee call. This was to Bagheera. I, I may have cried out in the battle, Bagheera answered. Baloo, art thou hurt? I am sure that they did not pull me into a hundred little Bearlings, said Baloo, gravely shaking one leg after the other. Wow, I am sore, Ka. We owe thee, I think, our lives, Bagheera and I. No matter. Where is the manling? Here, in a trap. I can't climb out, cried Mowgli. The curve of the broken dome was above his head. Take him away. He dances like Mao the peacock. He will crush our young, said the cobras inside. Ha, said Ka with a chuckle. He has friends everywhere. This manling, stand back, manling, and hide you, O oh, poison people. I break down the wall. Ka looked carefully till he found a discolored crack in the marble tracing showing a weak spot made two or three light taps with his head to get the distance, and then lifting up six feet of his body, clear off the ground, sent home half a dozen full-powered, smashing blows, nose first. The screen work broke and fell away in a cloud of dust and rubbish, and Mowgli leaped through the opening and flung himself between Baloo and Bagheera, a big arm around each neck. Are thou hurt? said Baloo, hugging him softly. I'm sore, hungry, and not a little bruised, but oh, they've handed ye grievously, my brothers, ye bleed. Others also, said Bagheera, lipping his lips and looking at the monkey dead on the terrace and round the tank. It's nothing, it's nothing, 
If thou art safe, O oh, my pride of all little frogs, whimpered Baloo. Of that we shall judge later, said Bagheera, in a dry voice that Mowgli did not like at all. But here is Ka, to whom we owe the battle, and thou owest thy life. Thank him, according to our customs, Mowgli. Mowgli turned and saw the great python's head swaying a foot above his own. So this is the manling, said Ka. Very soft is his skin, and he is not unlike the Benderlog. Have a care, manling, that I do not mistake thee for a monkey some twilight when I have newly changed my coat. We be one blood, thou and I, Mowgli answered. I take my life from thee tonight. My kill shall be thy kill if ever thou art hungry, O Ka. All thanks, little brother, said Ka, through his eyes twinkled. And what may so bold a hunter kill? I ask that I may follow when next she goes abroad. I kill nothing. I'm too little. But I drive goats towards such as we can use them. When thou art empty, come to me. See if I speak the truth. I have some skill in these, he held out his hands. And if you ever art in a trap, I may pay the debt which I owe to thee, to Bagheera and to Baloo. Good hunting to ye all, my masters. Well said, growled Baloo, for Mowgli had returned thanks very prettily. The python dropped his head lightly for a minute on Mowgli's shoulder. A brave heart and a courteous tongue, he said. They shall carry thee far through the jungle, manling. But now go hence quickly with thy friends. Go and sleep, for the moon sets, and what follows it is not well that thou shouldst see. The moon was sinking behind the hills, and the lines of trembling monkeys huddled together on the walls, and the battlements looked like ragged, shaggy fringes of things. Baloo went down to the tank for a drink, and Bagheera began to put his fur in order as Ka glided out into the center of the terrace and brought his jaws together with a ringing snap that drew all the monkey's eyes upon him. The moon sets. Is there yet light enough to see? From the walls came a moan like the wind in the treetops. We see, O Ka, Good. Now begins the dance. The dance of the hunger of Ka. Sit still and watch. He turned twice or thrice in a big circle, weaving his head from right to left. Then he began making loops and figures of eight with his body and soft, oozy triangles that melted into squares and five-sided figures and coiled mounds, never resting, never hurrying, and never stopping his low, humming song. It grew darker and darker, till at last the dragging, shifting coils disappeared, but they could hear the rustle of the scales. Baloo and Bagheera stood still as stone, growling in their throats, their neck hairs bristling, and Mowgli watched and wondered. Bunderlog, said the voice of Ka at last, can ye stir foot or hand without my order? Speak. Without thy order we cannot stir hand or foot, O Ka. Good. Come all one pace nearer to me. The lines of the monkeys swayed forward helplessly, and Baloo and Bagheera took one stiff step forward with them. Nearer, 
hissed Ka, and they all moved again. Mowgli laid his hands on Baloo and Bagheera to get them away, and the two great beasts started as though they had been waked from a dream. Keep thy hand on my shoulder, Bagheera whispered. Keep it there, or I must go back, must go back to Ka. Ah, it is only Ka making circles in the dust, said Mowgli. Let us go and the three slipped off through a gap in the walls to the jungle. Oof, said Baloo, when he stood under the still trees again. Nevermore will I make an ally of Ka, and he shook himself all over. Oh, he knows more than we, said Bagheera, trembling. In a little time, if I stayed, I should have walked down his throat. Many will walk by that road before the moon rises again, said Baloo. We will have good hunting after his own fashion. But what was the meaning of it all, said Mowgli, who didn't know anything of a python's powers of fascination. I saw no more than a, a big snake making foolish circles till the dark came, and his nose was all sore. Ho, ho! Mowgli said Bagheera angrily. His nose was sore on thy account, as my ears and sides and paws and Baloo's neck and shoulders are bitten on thy account. Neither Baloo nor Bagheera will be able to hunt with pleasure for many days. Oh, it's nothing, said Baloo. We have the man-cub again. True, but he's cost us heavily in time, which might have been spent in good hunting. In wounds and hair, I'm, I'm half-plucked along my back. And last of all, in honor. For remember, Mowgli, I, who am the Black Panther, was forced to call upon Ka for protection. And Baloo and I were both made stupid as little birds by the hunger dance. All this, man-cub, came of thy playing with the Banderlog. True? It is true, said Mowgli sorrowfully. I am an evil man, Cub, and my stomach is sad in me. <laughs> what says the law of the jungle, Baloo? Baloo didn't wish to bring Mowgli into any more trouble, but he couldn't tamper with the law, so he mumbled, Sorrow never stays punishment, but remember Bagheera. He's very little. I will remember, but he's done mischief and blows must be dealt now. Mowgli, hast thou anything to say? Nothing. I did wrong. Baloo and thou are wounded. It is just. Bagheera gave him a half-dozen love-taps from a panther's point of view. They would hardly have waked one of his own cubs, but for a seven-year-old boy they amounted to as severe a beating as you could wish to avoid. When it was all over, Mowgli sneezed and picked himself up without a word. Now, said Bakira, jump on my back, little brother, and we'll go home. One of the beauties of jungle law is that punishment settles all scores. There is no nagging afterward. Mowgli laid his head down on Bagheera's back and slept so deeply that he never waked when he was put down in the home cave. And that's where we're going to stop tonight with the Jungle Book. Wow! What an exciting episode. Dang, that was cool. <laughs> Very nice. I hope you enjoyed that. I did. It's a cool read. All right, we'll continue with the Jungle Book on our next episode. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget uh, patreon.com. Look for Jay Sheldon if you want to help out and uh, become a subscriber and uh, donate a bit to the show. We'll have a special announcement about our reading the classic books uh, coming up probably by the end of the week, I hope, maybe on Saturday's uh, show. So that is going to do it for yet another live stream of I'm Not Wearing Pants. 
Join us on rumble.com. If you're listening to the podcast, you want to see the video version, just look for uh, Jay Sheldon, no pants on rumble.com. You can watch our show. And uh, until next time, I will, I will see you Wednesday night. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night.